G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. The story. Oh God, I'm on my knees crying and I've picked up the Bible and I just went, all right, God, if you're real, if the words you say in this book are real, then I'm going to put you to the test. And if you don't show up for me, this is going to end up real bad. I'll be in jail before the weekend, so put up or shut up. And I got up and I grabbed all my drugs, needles, pills, steroids, absolutely everything, and threw them all in the bin, grabbed my bag and headed down to the camp. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, if you ever meet Steve Beazle in person, you'll see that he's a big mountain of a man and you wouldn't be surprised to learn that at one point in his life, he worked as a bouncer at a nightclub. He says it was a rough lifestyle and he constantly sought after the adrenaline rush of violence. But it was increasingly unfulfilling and leading him deeper and deeper into despair. God was going to have to break some tough walls if he was going to reach Steve's heart. And that's exactly what happened. We'll find out how as Steve shares his story with Shelley Scowen. Steve, tell us about your life. What was your upbringing like? I grew up in a, in a good home. Um, I had a great mum and dad and everything. Very well educated, but when I left high school, I could have done a lot of things, but I decided to go bouncing <laughs> and uh, worked on the doors of pubs and clubs and things. And when I met Jesus the first time, I was at a really low point in my life. At that time, I had spent 18 years bouncing on the doors of pubs and clubs and nightclubs, and unfortunately, I really got caught up in that whole nightclub scene, that lifestyle. Major instances that people would go through once or twice in their life, I was dealing with on a, a regular basis. You know, I dealt basically I dealt with people at their worst, and very soon, I just expected bad behaviour from everyone and people stopped being real to me, they were just bodies, just play things for me to do whatever I liked with. I've become extremely violent, very aggressive, and I've become what they call an adrenaline junkie. I just live for the rush of that physical confrontation and yeah, I wasn't a very nice person. I did a lot of bad things and I hurt a lot of people. Did you go out intentionally looking for fights? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. That's all I wanted to do. I, you know, I was just living from one rush to the next. Nothing else mattered except for getting in those sort of situations. And because of the job I was doing on the doors, I was surrounded by it. Mm. And I loved it. But unfortunately, that lifestyle, it carries with the heavy, heavy baggage. I would come home from work so full of adrenaline and on such a high that I ended up resorting to large amounts of marijuana to try and bring myself back down to some sort of normal state. See, I was going from a wild nightclub full of drugs and violence and all the rest of it. Then I'd walk into a wife with two young babies. It was like one extreme to the other. Mm. So, but what I soon found out is very soon the large amounts of weed that I was smoking, as well as the, I was on heavy, heavy doses of steroids at the time for a long period. And I used to pop up as like that Smarties before I'd go to work every night. Basically all that I was putting in my body 
combined with all the guilt I started to carry for the people I started to hurt, both physically and emotionally, it started to really take its toll and I really got hit with severe bouts of depression. I tended to lose that normality in my life. I was either crying, all depressed, didn't want to leave my little flat or the house or I was going off my head wanting to kill everything. Fortunately, that cost me my, my marriage, which only made it worse because then I felt like a failure to my kids and a complete failure in life. I lost all trust in women with that. and Yeah, I was seriously in a bad place at that time of my life. I wanted to change. I needed to change. But unfortunately, I could not stop my addiction. And my addiction by this time had been going on for just under 15 years. And I tried everything to stop it because I knew it was killing me. I went to doctors, I went to specialists, I went to Narcotics Anonymous. I even spent a short time in a rehab called Munya out at Red Hill. But you know, nothing worked. Nothing even come close to getting me clean. I was just trapped in a lifestyle, there was no way out. Or so I thought. So at this point in my life, I was getting really desperate and I took a security job at a place called Stratco at Ormo, doing security there. It was a gatehouse security job. So it limited my time off the doors, thinking, well, I'll try and get out of that violent environment, you know, and I still worked the doors Friday, Saturday night, so I didn't have to, but I was just addicted to it that as well. I couldn't stop it. And I was only there a few days, and this older gentleman named Les, he just walked up to me and he said, oh, I've been told to give you this. And it was a DVD of Stan the Man. He's the five-time kickboxing world champion. He was telling basically his testimony, his life story, and how God changed him. And at first I thought this silly old fella's forgotten to take his meds or something, but <laughs> later that night, I'm in my little flat and I was having a heavy session as I normally did back then. And for some reason, I just put the DVD on and it moved me. It had me crying in my little, my little flat thing and wow, maybe there is a way out. You know, maybe there is, this is the way out of this trap I was caught in. And probably two days later, I was driving to work and I was on the southeast freeway around Springwood and I'm in the middle lane. Um, it was raining. There's a, a B-double gas tanker in the left-hand lane beside me. And as we were coming past the Springwood exit, this I just had this overwhelming feeling that I had to pray. And I didn't even, I stumbled through some form of the Lord's Prayer that I, because I didn't know much about any of that sort of thing. And the minute I said, Amen, this car missed the on-ramp and it landed on the road right between me and the, the truck. Oh. And as it's hit, it spun around and the truck hit the front of the car hard. But the back trailer of the truck jackknifed and I was in a little day we and like I'm a pretty big guy in this tiny little car and the back trailer of the truck hit me up the bottom of the car, the rear end and I did two and a half somersaults. I hit two of the huge big light poles in the middle of the freeway and bear in mind it was peak hour traffic heading into the city at that time of day. Mm. And I was flying, sliding on the roof straight for the peak hour traffic, and I was gone. And I just screamed out with all my heart. It's with God save me, help me. And the car stopped. And it stopped just as it reached the grass and the bitumen started to meet. I was probably a meter away from the traffic. 
it didn't slow down. It just the minute I cried out, the car—it's like God just reached His hand out and stopped the car instantly. Wow. I uh, kicked the window out, crawled out. I just had a few cuts on my head. That was it. And it was on the news and everything happening in Brisbane at the time. And people were just running up to me, going, "How are you not dead? How did that car stop like that?" And I was really didn't know what was going on. And I happened to turn around, there was police and everyone there at the time in the ambos and my boss from, one of my boss at Straco just happened to pull up. So I basically told the police and the ambulance everywhere just to not so politely leave me alone. Hmm. <laughs> and I basically made my boss take me to work because I had to see this Les guy with everything in me. I had to see him. And so we got to work and I ran in and I just chased down this Les and unbeknownst to me this Les was a, was a Christian of about 30 odd years and I told him what happened and he just started welling up and he said it was God that told him to give me that DVD that God has a plan and a purpose for me and that God loves me and wants me and yeah that was uh, the big catalyst that started the big turnaround I suppose yeah so that was on a Friday. That Sunday I went to church with Les and I felt really out of place. I felt like everyone was looking at me. I felt I had a lot of paranoia then too because of all the drugs I took. And, you know, I felt so out of place and dirty around these people. I didn't belong. But when the altar call came, I ran down the front hmm. with everything I had out of desperation. And they prayed for me and I gave my life to God that day. And wow. I had hope. I knew there was a way out, but to be totally honest, nothing much changed in my life. Really? I would work all Saturday night, but I'd go to Sunday morning church, Sunday night church. I'd go to Bible, every Bible study, every connect group, every prayer group. I spent every minute of all I could just pouring in, reading the word, praying for two whole months. And as much as I tried to be good, whenever things would go out of control or I couldn't control anything, I'd resort back to my violent ways and no matter what I tried I still could not stop my addiction and that went on for about two months then the church organized an encounter God weekend for new Christians so I took the weekend off work and organized to be down there for it and it was the Friday afternoon we had to be down there by about five or six o'clock I think and I'm in my little flat and I'm getting smashed <laughs> and I'm just you know, I can't do this, Lord. Again, these people are so different from me. They can't relate to me. They don't know what I've been through. See, all my focus was on was me, yeah. not on God. And I know now it was God, but I didn't know then. I've just sort of turned around. I've looked at the Bible that the church gave me, and I got on my knees crying, and I've picked up the Bible, and I just went, all right, God, if you're real, if the words you say in this book are real, then I'm going to put you to the test. And if you don't show up for me, this is going to end up real bad. I'll be in jail before the weekend, so put up or shut up. And I got up and I grabbed all my drugs, needles, pills, steroids, absolutely everything. And, you know, believe the whole lot. And I threw them all in the bin, grabbed my bag and headed down to the camp. A lot of people say it was I stepped out in faith, but to be honest, it wasn't faith. It was desperation. And mm -hmm. one thing I've learned is you've got to be desperate to change. Unless you're desperate, nothing happens because desperation is the people that faith rubs in on.
You're listening to The Story. Today, former nightclub bouncer Steve Beazle is sharing his story with Shelley Scowan. And as we just heard, it was looking pretty bleak for him as he decides to go to a Christian camp. We'll find out what happens next in Stephen's life when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401-132-888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. We're continuing with former nightclub bouncer Steve Beazle sharing his story with Shelley Scowen. Before the break, we heard how Steve was at a desperate point in his life and he actually ordered God to do something or else. Next, we'll hear what happened after he threw his drugs away and decided to go to a Christian camp. So I went down there Friday night and to be honest, that night, the longest night of my entire life to this day. By lunchtime the next day, I was in a really bad place. I had sweat pouring out of me where all I was detoxing, all the stuff coming out of my system. I was having schizo episodes in my head. I was really in a bad way. And David O'Keefe, the old pastor who was running the event, he came up to me at that time and he said, can I talk to you outside? Because so, everyone was staying clear of me. No one would talk to me. Everyone was just staying away from me because I was obviously a bit volatile. And I've walked outside and he's gone, God's just told him that he has to pray for me right now. So him and another two men, Don McLean and Dave Thompson, amazing men. It's interesting, Dave Thompson was an ex-addict himself and wasn't even coming down, but God woke him up early the Saturday morning and said, get down to the camp. So he did. There you go. (laughs) It's amazing how God works. But They took me to uh, one of the rooms away from everyone. Um, They sat me on a chair. Uh, they anointed my head with oil and started praying for me and all of a sudden I just had this amazing energy come over me I was shaking and bouncing I started talking funny I didn't know now it was in tongues but I didn't even know what that was and I'm like looking at the pastor and going and he just said because I didn't know what was happening and he just said don't fight it go with it this is God touching you so I did I I just surrendered to God and instantly my head was just filled with the image of Jesus cuddling me. I could actually feel his physical arm squeezing me tight. I could feel the breath on his on the top of my head because I've got a bald head and my head was against his chest. And to this day it was the most amazing moment and feeling that I'll never forget that I've ever had. And I walked out of that room completely different. When God says you may made new, you're a new creation. That's what happened. I walked out. All my guilt and shame was gone. Condemnation was gone. Completely gone. My violent ways were gone. It's like God gave me a new heart. I was wanted to love people all of a sudden instead of hurting them. And to my amazement, my addiction was completely gone. No cravings, no withdrawals, completely, utterly gone. Wow. All in one hit. And yeah, I met Jesus that day, and I found out firsthand that he's not only real, but I found out how intimately and personally he loves not only me, but every person out there. Mm. And that it's not about religion. It's not about a do this, don't do that, man-made idea of a God. It's about an intimate, 
father-child relationship with the God that created you. And he created every one of us for one reason. So he can just love us back into wholeness. And all we've got to do is just focus on coming to him no matter what we're doing, even while we're sinning. Invite him in and talk to him. Yeah. And he does the rest. We just focus on that loving him and that relationship. He fixes us. He breaks the addictions. All of a sudden you start to love what he loves, hate what he hates, and you're made new. Yeah, and he makes you that new creation. It's not so much about you know the rules that God sets. It's more so he changes your heart so that it's like his, so that you have the desire to do the things that he says and to not do the things that he warns you against. Absolutely. I mean, I've got a... <laughs> I had a revelation from God a while back. You know, in John 3, it talks about seeing the kingdom and entering the kingdom. And some people see the kingdom. You know, they go to church every week. They're saved. They'll go to heaven when they die. But that's really about where it ends. Their life doesn't really change that much. And other people enter the kingdom. In other words, they enter into the everyday power and love of God in every area of their life. And they're completely turned around. Mm. And Jesus said, let the children come. Assuredly, I say to you, unless you become like one of these, you will not enter the kingdom. And I'm reading all of that stuff, and God said to me, he goes, I've got a little boy, Samuel, he's six now. And God said to me, what does Samuel want most of all from me? To spend time with me. And he said, that's the secret, spending time with God. That's the secret to unlocking all the promises of God. That's the secret to living in the everyday power of the Bible and God in every area of your life. It's simply... Spending time with him. Yeah. But not in the attitude, ah, oh, well, I'm a Christian, I've got to read my Bible again. It's more like, hey, I'm going to talk to my dad. Hey, dad, how you going? And start reading your Bible. Like, from the attitude, dad's going to talk to me. Yeah. He's got so, something to say to me. And yeah, that's a, a wonderful um, connection there. I really love that. And for those who are parents, yes, you will just understand that analogy. Steve, you're obviously passionate about God and you understand his love. And I guess that is why you're so passionate about reaching out to these kids, uh, because you've experienced that love of God and these kids haven't. You know, God, I was in such a pit. I was in darkness. And it's like God just reached out from eternity, pulled me into his loving arms and he loved me back in the wholeness. And it's just amazing what he's done for me. And he wants to do it to every single person out there. Mm. All you've got to do well, that's is just th- let him in. And that's the thing. He loves people already. It's just that, as you say, we need to be the ones to reach out and let him in. He stands at the door and knocks. Absolutely. You know, God ripped my heart out. When we first started the youth, I was at a, uh, a prayer group at church. And the head pastor and the associate pastor at the time, they come up to me and just said, we want to start a youth group. I'm like... Okay, I only see two years in your church, but anyway, you know. <laughs> they said, God's told us you're the man to do it. And Build like, it and they will come. Yeah, I was just thinking, I can't do it. I work because I was working on Friday, Saturday, Sunday nights at the time. And I said, I can't do it. I work on them. They said, well, God's told us you're the man to do it. So if things change, which we believe they will, you know, will you do it? And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I suppose not thinking anything will change and... All of a sudden, a week later, I've got this job offer, which was a Monday to Friday job and gave me weekends off, and it came from out of nowhere. And I'm sitting there going, I can't do this. All I know how to do is hurt people, and I've got to try and run some group. (laughs) But I stepped out because I just thought of the love 
that God gives me and the love God had for me and the love I had for him and I thought I've just got to love him and he takes care of everything so I stepped mm. out and did it it was two kids <laughs> in the church I made my kids and my stepkids come I stood over them and made them come and bribed them <laughs> <laughs> and, and now it's just it's blown me away to the numbers you know to the amount of people we get and it's the good we're doing but yeah. the amazing thing how God works the first day I walked into this new job that God opened up to me as I'm walking up ahead Joel Tuity he was already working there and I saw him walking towards me from a distance and God said he was the reason that I'm here and a few months later he's at the shed and look at the amazing things that man's doing for God yeah it's it is just incredible and he's got a story to tell in and of himself as well God's definitely using you guys uh, for his kingdom and for his purposes. He'll change you. He does all the hard stuff. You know, there's not one area in anyone's life you can't have victory in, providing you're just willing to simply seek his face. And that's that whole attitude we just install in the kids. Where's your focus at? Don't focus on what you're doing right or what you're doing wrong. Don't focus on your problems. Focus on Jesus and just focus on going to him no matter what you've done, no matter what you're doing, and just, hey, Dad, and start talking. Mm. And that's what we install in the kids, and God does the rest. <laughs> yeah, you're obviously passionate about it, and you've probably seen uh, time and time again the changes in these kids' lives. Are there any in particular that stand out to you? Uh, there's heaps and heaps, actually, and I love these kids with all my heart. You know, God just ripped my heart out one day gave me such a passion for these kids and and they're amazing they're broken and they're hurt but they're diamonds in the rough you know and when you just love on them and accept them it's amazing and we see kids come in all the time you know from you know multiple suicidal attempts from being in mental institutions to having major addictions and all the rest of it and we just see God slowly runs them down until he breaks them and loves them back in the wholeness it really is because God just loves them back in. What we've found is there's a lot of problems from addiction, suicide, self-harm, all that sort of stuff, but the core problem seems to be of it all is dad issues. <laughs> it's something that this generation is just really getting hit hard with. Mm. We're in a very low socioeconomic area, so a lot of it we deal with a lot of broken families, single parents. You know, mm. Some of these kids have never had anyone in their life that works or really cares much about them mm. and it's sad and it, but it's something we just have to deal with and we just that's why we try to we provide a safe family in orientated environment for them where we just love them and accept them where they're at yeah you know we say to these kids all the time i don't care if you're smashed off your head providing you're in a, you're safe and we have a fair few people that keep it safe because of the backgrounds we're from and you're going to come in, you're going to be loved, and you're going to be accepted. Yeah. Because a lot of these kids, you know, they think they're a mistake or they're an accident or they just don't matter. When that's the opposite, you know. Because it's God that created them, and that's what we've got to try to install in this generation. It's God that created them. He made them, planted them in their mother's womb, marked them, set them apart, and said, you are mine. And that's a message these kids just don't realise. Thanks so much for having a chat with us today, Steve. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much. And to all the people out there, I just say, you are not a mistake. You're not an accident. You're not hopeless and you're not a loser. 
you are a child of God. Mm. And all you've got to do is love him and he will turn your life around. Yeah, you're living proof of that. Thanks so much, Steve. All right, thank you. Well, what a fantastic transformation in the life of former nightclub bouncer and drug addict, Steve Beazel. As we just heard, God broke through the tough walls in his life and he went on to become the founder of a thriving youth ministry. Also, since this recording, he's gone on to become a pastor of his own church in the Brisbane suburb of Logan. Amazing. One life that had been greatly impacted by Steve was a young man named Joel Tuita. In today's conversation, we heard Steve say that God told him that Joel was the reason that he'd brought him to work at a particular place. Steve and Joel have since gone on to become great friends and do ministry work together. Joel also has an amazing story of his own, and I'm excited to say that he'll be sharing it with us tomorrow on The Story. Until then, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. I never broken a bone in my in my life, you know, I never had a cast or nothing on and and for that to happen to me, you know, it's like I broke all the bones of my body and did all my internal organs all at one time. But, you know, um, coming around that corner, hitting that metal guardrail and wrapping my body around, that changed my life upside down, having that motorcycle accident. A few years ago, Joel Tuita was in a horrific motorcycle accident. His heart stopped twice and he had to be revived. Miraculously, he survived and has gone on to make hip-hop music for the Lord and continue his involvement in youth ministry. We'll hear his incredible journey next time. The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.